Welcome to Coaching Confidential, a podcast by baseball coaches as we bring you inside the game. The podcast will take you behind the scenes in college and minor league baseball. Lou Bernardi and George Carroll were college teammates and went on to play and coach on the next level. Bernardi has coached at the Division 1, 2, and 3 levels and is currently the pitching coach at the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Carroll went on to play professionally and is now a catching coach in the minor leagues. Here are your hosts, Lou Bernardi and George Carroll. All right, GC, what's going on, baby? How we doing down in Florida? Sweet Lou, what's up, man? How you doing? Congratulations on the baby. I know we got a lot of a lot of comments, a lot of notes, a lot of texts, a lot of phone calls. So um, know that everyone out there listening is sending you your absolute best. So congratulations, brother. Appreciate you, little Blakely Rose Carol. She came in at seven pounds, uh, twenty in, twenty and a quarter inches. So she was a uh, uh, small weight, long baby. So maybe she can be a uh, pitcher one day. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. But, every, but um, congratulations once again, and um, Thanks, happy, man. happy to have you back here and talk a little baseball. What do you What do you say? I'm ready, man. So, uh, Lou, uh, what, what we got today? What do you want? What do we got on the plate? So we got a ton of questions rolling in throughout the week. So, I I figured let's pull three of them. Um, let's ask. Let's let's try to answer these three questions, and it kind of fits to what's going on right now in baseball being playoffs and everything. So these are all kind of playoff-driven questions. And what better okay. time to answer them than we're about to start the uh, NL and AL championship series here coming up in the next day or two. Yankees lost a tough one last night, but it is what it is. So the first question, George, I'll ask it to you. As a player, right, how do you handle and deal with the pressure situations of being in a game five an elimination playoff game, a do-or-die game. So, you know, I thought it was a fair question. And some of these younger players, they get all anxiety-driven and they let the pressure amount to them. And they really can't succeed. And they're not giving themselves opportunities to succeed because they're playing in the moment, essentially. What's some advice? Give us some tips, some do's and don'ts. on as a player – how, how do you live up to the expectations in the biggest pressure situations? I'll tell you what, always, for some reason, the same guys always come up clutch, right? You know, you ever heard the term, you know, of course you've heard the term, oh, that guy's a clutch hitter or that guy's a big game pitcher, you know, things like that. So I don't think it's um, by accident that the same guys typically come through for you. Like you got like Effrey, Valdez, play with Effrey, right? Uh, it was our college teammate, my high school teammate. Guy was always come up with a big hit, always come up with a big play. Um, so as far as dealing with pressure, I think once the lights go on, what's your mentality? How are you going to be able to handle, you know, those situations? You know, a lot of guys talk about breathing. You know, they talk about the mindset, like where do you have your mind, like always always looking like at each pitch is the last pitch you're ever going to see or the last that bat or last ground ball you're going to get or the last pitch you're ever going to make. So I think guys deal with pressure differently in different situations. I know, you know, you see guys um, when the game is has a large, you know, run differential. You see a lot of guys that get, you know, they'll always come up with the with a home run, you know, with a solo home run in the middle of like the eighth inning when they're down by ten. You know, it's always the same guy. So I think that there's a different mentality between two different, you know, between players that come through in the clutch and players that you know, have no pressure on them and there's no pressure on the game. So they feel no pressure on themselves. 
what do you what do you got on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll sit here and I'll ask you a question. Do do cl- are the best players necessarily your most clutch players? Like, does that oh. you know does that equation equal each other? Do you have to be the best player to be the most clutch clutch player? You know, I don't I don't think so. I don't think so either. I I think you know each guy handles pressure differently. And, you know, I think, you know, the more relaxed, the more calm you can be and treat every situation as an equal. Um, I think those are the guys that are probably going to succeed in those situations when the lights turn on. Cause you know, like when we were growing up too, you know, we always hear like, Oh yeah, he's a five o'clock hitter or he's uh, you know, all, all, all team first practice. You know, you see guys who in practice just absolutely dominate and light it up. And you're like, damn, that guy's really good. Or even, for example, we talk about showcase players. You know, the difference between a showcase player and a gamer. You know, is that guy is that guy all show and no go, or is he uh, no show in in the showcase and fully go in the game? You know what I mean? So right. we run into players like that all the time. So what's the difference between those two guys, the five o'clock hitter versus the guy who comes out when the lights turn on under the brightest stage? Yeah, I mean, look, it's easier said than done, but I think you hit it right on the head when you said you kind of just have to relax and 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 have an approach and, you know, I remember growing up always, always like visualizing in, in practice where I'm saying game seven of the world series, full count, you know, bases loaded, two outs. Um, what are you throwing there? And it's like, if you put yeah. yourself in that situation beforehand, when the actual moment happens, you should have, you should have already prepared yourself. So, you know, how to deal with pressure situations you need to put yourself in pressure situations beforehand so you know mentally and physically how you're going to relate and how you're going to deal with, deal with the stress. So, you know, we say – I know we talk a lot about practice and game speed and tempo. If your intent in practice is one where you're, you're not taking it for granted and you're actually putting in the work and you're doing it game speed, then I think when it, when it matters most, I don't want to say it's going to be – I don't want to say it's going to be, you know, the exact same scenario because it's not because, you know, obviously, obviously the, the magnitude of a game seven or a game five World Series. But if you, if you simulate that pressure, okay, if you simulate that anxiety beforehand, I think you're just going to give yourself a little bit better chance of success when it actually happens. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when I went to – I met the coaches at – uh, University of Michigan, one of the, the head coach over there, you know, we were, we were just kind of shooting, you know, shooting the shit, talking baseball. And I said something, I was like, you know, what do you do to, like, make your guys successful? He said, well, we have different structures. You know, we have, um, like, the the classroom is, you know, the classroom is where we learn. Um, the cage is, you know, where we practice. You know, that's where we're fine-tuning our skills. And then when we get on the field, that's like the playground for us. You know, and the way that we we become the best on the playground is by practicing in the cage above game speed. We want to make everything really, really hard in the cage. So that when they go out to the field, it just, everything becomes easy. And the cage was a metaphor for like the, like wasn't necessarily didn't have to be just in the cage. It can be on the field, obviously, but you know, elevating your game, elevating your practice above game speed allows you to kind of slow everything down when the game actually comes to you. So, and one of our good friends, um, um, you know, Anthony, I posted, he always says, you know, you need to sim- like you said like a second ago. When you're a little kid, what did you simulate in the street when you're playing wiffle ball or stick ball or you know when you're a kid or in practice? It's like if through your head, 
game seven, three, two, two outs, game winning run, game uh, winning run, time runs on second base. What am I going to do here? So I think you're hundred percent correct in saying that um, the more you can simulate in your mind, uh, the game and that pressure, I think it might come easier for you when it actually does happen. You know, and, and, and last word on this, and then we'll move on to the next question. It's not just baseball. This is basketball hitting that three-pointer at the buzzer. You know, this yeah. is lacrosse, right? This is lacrosse scoring the goal at, from, you know, this is soccer. This is bowling, throwing a strike. You know, like, this is not just <laughs> baseball. The, this, you know, what we're saying applies to anything in life where there's a, a pressure situation in a competitive environment. So, you know, you know, this information is not just for the baseball guys here. Take this to your other sports yeah. as well. No, I agree with you 100%. Um, so next question. Actually, this is more towards you. This is, this is a good question for you. Um, and this talks about managing, managing bullpens. Um, so the question is, how do you manage a bullpen late in the game? I think what they're asking is like, do you put like when do you put your best pitcher in? When do you have like a mop up guy, you know, think long relief guy? Can you can you dive into that? And we're talking we're talking playoff baseball, right? So everything yeah, I think here, that's what it's saying. Yeah, for. okay. So and and I think I know what they're saying with with everything that's going on in Major League Baseball with these managers pitching their starting pitchers one inning, putting their closers in in the third inning. Um, here's this has always been my take on it. Okay, and I think a lot of people might disagree with me. I know the analytical people are probably going to disagree with me. But I don't like when you play a full season, and I'm going to use a 162-game season as the example. Play 162 games. Everybody knows their role. It's defined early. They've had success in that specific role. And now all of a sudden, you throw it out the window, essentially, and you try to rewrite the script because it's the playoffs. So, you know, guys have shorter leashes where they've been proven to get past certain innings. To me, I think you have a starter. You let your starter pitch, and then you turn the ball over to the bullpen. And, and I'm a believer of your more traditional sense where starter goes five or six, maybe seven, turn it over to the bullpen – your, your bridge guy, your setup guy, and your closer. And at the end of the day, you hope for the best. I'm not necessarily a big fan or believer in putting a starting pitcher, for instance, who, let's say, started 30 games in a season, and now his first appearance in the bullpen, his first appearance in the bullpen can't be game three or game five or game seven of a, of a, of a playoff baseball game. It just can't. It, he's not conducive. You know, the, his warm-up is different. Those guys are creatures of habit, right? They, they get so fixated into a routine where you need them to be at their absolute best and you're putting them in an environment and in a situation where they haven't performed that yet. So I'm not a big fan of it. I know people swear by it. Um, I know people are going to say that, you know, I'm wrong, which is fine. It, there, there's two theories of this. Do what you did that got you there or – throw it out the window essentially and do whatever you can to win the game. So, you know, that's my take on it, George. You know, what do you think? What do you think about it? I think everything in, in, in this game is about adjustments, especially on the fly. So, 
you know, I'm just going to turn this back on you for a second. You know, when you manage your bullpen with your manager, right, you already have kind of like an idea of who's going to go in throughout the game. But unless, let's say you got your guys just throwing like a gem and you're like, you know, you expected this kid to go six and then he's going seven. You're like, oh, man, let's get him back out there for the eighth. And then you're like, oh, man, do we put in our closer right now or do we let him go for the CG, go for the complete game? So I think the situation should always dictate what you end up doing, but you need to plan your black and white and always remember to leave room for gray, meaning um, that not everything is always going to go um, as well as, as your plan is, you know? So what do you think about, about that? Like, do you, do you ever think that giving guys roles, like designated roles, like, Hey, you're going to go three, you're going to go three, you're going to go three is better or kind of like, Hey, if this happens, you might get ready. If this happens, you might get ready, you know, or, you know, how do you feel about that as far as for, if you were managing a bullpen in the playoffs right now? Well, I think you, you know, I know to, you said traditional. But. Yeah. I think you have to, I think you have to communicate, right? So that, that goes with anything where you can't just tell a guy, you know, Oh, by the way, you're pit, you know, you're, you're, you're hot today. You, you need to have the script. And like you said, you have to have multiple options of the script. It can't just be one option. So, you know, yeah, I just I just think over the course of a season, 162 games, guys are creatures of habit, like I said, and they're used to certain things and they want to do certain things. I'm not a big believer of necessarily changing the script and you just spent all spring training, a six, seven-month season, all the practices, the routines, the drills – and they got and they they mastered it. I don't. Yeah. I'm not necessarily a believer of taking that and rewriting it just for a short series. I I think you have to stick to to what got you there. And if what got you there isn't enough to win, then maybe you weren't supposed to win anyway. So difference between you and the guys on TV. You guys know you're going to play. You know. You know during your season, you know you have your Friday starter, your Saturday or your Sunday starter. Then during the week, you usually kind of go back and forth between like two or three guys, right? I remember that's what we kind of went through yeah, when we in, were playing. In the college season, yes. Yeah. So in those college seasons, though, like those series or those playoff series are always short. So if you have that one two punch, you know, in a three game set, it's like, all right, yeah, we're very confident we're going to win. But let's say you only have in the playoffs, you have that one two punch and then you got you're like uh, questioning your game three guy, your game four guy, your game five guy, you know, pitching a guy on three days rest or two days rest. How many guys actually can handle that? And, you know, like, you know, how, well, is I'm that okay going to your game plan? I'm, I'm okay with bouncing back. I'm okay with bouncing back a starter on short rest. Uh, I have no issue with that whatsoever. As long as he feels that he's going to go out there and, and give you a quality start, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with though is, is, bringing your closer necessarily in in the fourth inning of a game or bringing um, a starting pitcher in in the fifth inning and that being his first ever relief appearance of the season, those are things that I think are actually, in the long run, probably more detrimental in my opinion. Okay, so 2-2, two, 2-2 two, two, two count. What do you usually throw? 2-2 two, two count. You know, we, we were taught – well, I've learned two-two count. Usually, you go with your best pitch, right? Because you don't want to go three-two, correct? And what you throw you two-two, 
the, I mean, if we're going to look at, if we're going to call, if we're going to talk about the book, right, the textbook, whatever you yeah. throw two two, typically you're going to you're going to also come back and throw three two. Okay, so if you're in a, in a tight situation in the middle of the game and you only really feel confident in one guy to get through one inning in that moment because you feel like it's a really important inning, would you want to bring your closer in or would you want to put somebody in a situation where you're not sure if they're going to have success or not? You, you know, it's a blanket question, I think, and I, I feel like you need to make a decision based on the information in front of you on what's going to give that individual pitcher the, the best opportunity to be successful. You have, you, you have middle relief guys. You have lefty and righty specialists to come in and get a ground ball. Those are the guys that help the team get to where they are in the playoffs in the first place. So they've already been proven. They've already had success. I, I just feel like you, I don't want to ever try to do too much. And I think I that you. stems back to how do you deal with pressure situations? I think as a coach and as a manager, we also have to understand how to cope with pressure situations because we can't all of a sudden just start doing things that we've never done before just because it's the playoffs. I got you. You experiment in the regular season. Exactly. Um, now, now right, so if, if you bring in a, a starter to, to get an out on his bullpen day midweek, then I'm fine with that because the model's already been proven. But just to take it to chance, not a big fan of it. You know what I've always thought about? And, and you know, I mean, I, I'm a baseball I, – I, 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 I get called a baseball guy. You know what I mean? Baseball guy. Um, but I always had these, like, kind of weird ideas. I said, you know how they always talk about matchups, you know, you have your lefty matchup, your righty matchup. You know, what if you had your guy who's going to throw to righties in the same game as your guy that's going to throw to lefties? Except every time the any every time a different hitter comes up, you just switch those two guys and say he's playing a third base and pitcher. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I once asked that question. Someone's like, "Oh, you're an idiot." I said, "Well, well if the two of them can hit and both fill a ground ball." You know what I mean? If every and and, the, and let's say the lineup's like fifty fifty. Let's say it's four righties, four lefties, or uh, five lefties, four righties, whatever it may be. Right? Every time the righty gets up, you know, have the righty pitch. Every time lefty gets up, have the lefty pitch. And this is how right. keep switching between third and pitcher. You can do that, right? Yeah, I mean, in literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I always thought about it. I've always wanted to see it in like a high school level or like a college level, just to see if that could ever work. Obviously different in pro baseball. Um, but I always thought that would be pretty funny to see in like a real game on TV, be like, ah, we'll just keep flip-flopping these guys because I want him to throw against right and didn't throw against lefties. And I know that they can hit a little bit and they can field ground right. balls, so I trust them. You know what I mean? Just as a, no, absolutely. You know. So I think, to, I think to, to simplify this answer to this question, yeah, and it's a great question, um, and we could probably do a whole episode on just bullpens again. Um, yeah. And we probably will actually. Don't experiment, uh, at least for me, don't experiment in the postseason or don't experiment in the championship game. Make sure whatever you're doing, the first time you're doing it shouldn't be when it matters most. Is that fair? I 100% agree with that. Do what's familiar to you. You know what I mean? Um, and get finish, finish the game or finish the, the season the way you planned on finishing it. Obviously, you, everyone goes for a championship, but don't veer off you know, what you've done to make yourself successful. You know what I mean? I know we talk about making adjustments, but, you know, you don't want to mess around in, when, 
in those types of situations. So I thought that was a great answer to that question. So Lou, do you got anything else? Or? Yeah, so, so the last one, and again, it, we, we kind of answered it a lot, but um, kind of ties it all in together from a coaching standpoint. Okay. And this, this came from a few, a few amateur uh, managers and coaches, but let's answer it on the big league level side. And then we can kind of trickle down when you're coaching and managing in, in that pressure situation, that championship game, that playoff series, should your style be more passive or should you be a little bit more aggressive? What do you think? I think that can go, you know, I like to think of it. You can be aggressive early and then kind of dictate what you can do towards the back end of the game. You know, so like the other night I was watching a game on TV. Um, it was like the eighth inning and the team was up a run and they had a run on first. There's two outs and they hit and run with two outs in a, in a one, two or two, one count. So what I forgot what it was. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's really good. I was like, because looking at who the base runner was, him scoring, let's say he gets to second base, you know, he's five hundred, but the guy in front of him was pretty decent speed. So if you put him in motion, let's say you get a single or a double, that kind of can allow the guy not just only go first to third, but also have a chance at the plate to score that extra run going into the last inning when you're the home team. Well, yeah, it's, it's good to try to get another run. So I thought being aggressive in that situation was good. But most of the time you want to be aggressive early and kind of more conservative towards the end. Um, based on the score. You know what I mean? Like if you feel confident, if you don't feel confident, you, you never want to run yourself out of an inning and you never want to go like three up, three down late in the game because then the momentum kind of switches back on the other team. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, aggressive early and um, kind of more conservative towards the back end of the game. Yeah, I couldn't what agree more. And kind of based on, based on that, fir- that answer to the question before, um, do what you've done the whole season. If you're an aggressive style team, be aggressive in the playoffs. If you're a passive type team, then be passive in the playoffs. Stick to the recipe that has made you successful. Um, And I think that is the best piece of advice I can give. Don't change anything just because of the the game you're playing. At the end of the day, it's still just a baseball game. And I feel like if if we can understand that, and as coaches, if we cannot let the moment kind of get the better of us, then we will be successful. Your players will be relaxed, like you had said earlier, and they'll play better. They'll be able to handle the pressure, and we'll go from there. But I don't think we should all of a sudden, you know, do a double steal or or, or start squeezing and pitching out if we haven't done it all year. Why do it when it matters most? So that that's that's my answer to that question. Do you think the manager's mannerisms have anything to do with how the team feels in that playoff situation? 100%. The players will feed off of the energy of the manager in in both a good way and a bad way. You know, early on in my career, I was a very um, hyped up guy. You know, I was pacing back and forth and now I'm a little bit more reserved. I'm a little bit more, um, you know, I don't ever yell during the game. I'll never give instruction to a player in the middle of the inning. I just think it's it doesn't make sense. And, you know, my players appreciate that style. They, they understand it. They respect it. And they perform well because of it. So, you know, I'm not necessarily the fiery guy, and I'm not going to try to 
add more pressure to them. I, I, my job is just to communicate and make sure they have the information and make sure that they're comfortable and they're able to go out and, and succeed for us. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, like I, a lot of times I, I'll like kind of pace back in the dugout just because I can't sit still sometimes. And it's not, it's not necessarily because of what's going on in the game, just because it's me personally. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like standing there in one spot the whole game. But it's something you learn is like kind of knowing who your players are and kind of like how to also approach them in the game during these situations. Just a guy who you want to go up to and be like, hey, you got this, you got this, you got this, let's go, let's go. Or is it the type of guy that says, hey, man, let's go. Or you just give him a look. Kind of like how we talked about, you know, how the pitcher-catcher relationship is, the coaching-player relationship, knowing who your guys are in these situations and allowing and giving them the confidence that they need to go out there. And, and does every kid need your reassurance, your reassurance, your confidence booster to get them through it? You know what I'm saying? Like, can they just handle it on their own, or are they looking to you in this pressure situation to kind of help guide them? So, do you ever you ever run into that, or you just you know? Yeah, I mean, look, you, you 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 you're managing not just the baseball team; you're managing 30, 30 plus personalities. Yeah, and, and and your job as a coach is to be able to relate and get to every one of those players, however it might be. So. You know, that's up to the coach on how he delivers information and speaks to certain players. Some guys, if you yell at them and scream in their face, they, they're done. And they're not just done for the game. They might be done for the weekend. Some other guys need that. Some, some other guys need that little extra fire to get them going. So, again, there's no one right or wrong answer. As a coach, you need to be able to port, portray a message, okay, everybody not you can you know you you can have a team meeting but then there's meetings within the team meetings right i mean we've talked about that before where you you know you might have 30 individual meetings at a team meeting and you might say 31 different things (laughs) right and we've had and we've had coaches that have done that you know they'll tell you they'll tell one guy you know uh we're we're wearing gray socks today but then he might tell the other guy we're wearing blue socks but keep your pants down just whatever, like it just, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. right or wrong way to do that. We just have to be able to portray the message to each individual player. George, I'll give you yeah. the last word. Yeah, no, I, I'd say just um, knowing who your team is and knowing your, te- your person, like the personality you have is how you're going to go about the situation. You know, your managing and coaching style, you know, needs to change i think according to the players but still being able to to keep your core values of whether or not you're going to be aggressive or conservative but you have to realize each team you have is always going to be different and each game is always going to be a little different so i think um you need to coach to the style to the to your players not necessarily to yourself so that's what i would like to end on could not agree more could not agree more you have to your your style is dictated by your personnel and, and I think I that's perfect. So, um, hey, good job once again. We'll be back soon. Congrats again on the baby, brother. Much love. Stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Later, man. Thanks for listening, and make sure to subscribe and leave a rating for our podcast and check back for the next episode of Coaching Confidential.